test. Aha. Mhm. Yes, test. Aha. How you doing? Doing fantastic. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's a beautiful day in New York City. Finally. Finally. It's start to look nice. What are your plans for today? Um, shooting some content for the holidays. Let's dive right into it. Okay. Please. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Stay for the Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah. Joining me today, baker, chef, father, husband, content creator, Ben Jinji. Yo, yo, yo. There we go. How you doing? Good. Phenomenal. You're making coffee this morning. Do you habitually drink coffee every day? I do drink coffee every day. Not necessarily that that will be my ideal drink for the morning, but yeah, I mean, tea just like takes so long to cool down so like you make yourself a cup of tea and it's like you wait 10 or 15 minutes for it to cool down to be drinkable mm-hmm. so i found espresso i lived in italy a couple of years nice. so like i found espresso literally like give you like a slap in your face mm. in the morning and you're ready to go uh, i do like the taste of coffee so if it wasn't like that mm-hmm. um, affecting your body i would drink a couple of cups every day yeah. but yeah, yeah you know try to limit myself do you drink a specific bean brand of coffee? There is a coffee roaster that um, is right around our house two blocks away that okay. I really like, a Danish coffee roaster. Um, yeah, trying to keep it on the medium light roast, mm-hmm. um, kind of more on the sour side rather on okay. the dark. But I love any type of coffee, honestly. Like um, there is a dark roaster mm-hmm. right around the block. It's also great. So... Yeah, I'm not particular, but I appreciate quality. Okay, yeah. As a chef yourself, do you think you have a more defined palate than the average person? So, yes and no. Yeah, no, because I grew up a very picky eater. Okay. Um, so I would say that I developed my palate when I was like in my early 20s. Um, until then I was like very very picky mm-hmm. um, most of my childhood I ate only Israeli couscous and schnitzel so like that was my so diet when you say picky define picky so when I was four years old um, my teacher in kindergarten gave me a rotten tomato a rotten tomato a rotten tomato and since then, I just got traumatized and I never tried any new food. Mm-hmm. And until the age of four, you don't really like try new food until that age. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, basically I was picky to most of the things that I ate. Um, but mostly no, no veggies, no fruits. Besides Parmigiano-Reggiano, because that's how I grew up in Italy, I... No other cheese, um, no fish, no seafood. Really plain food, like no spices. Not, so no, no vegetables, no fruits, none of the five major food groups. Yeah, nothing. I would say that like my main problem with food that defined me as a picky eater was uh, textures. Uh, until this day, I don't really like fruits mm-hmm. in the raw form. Like if you give me like let's say an apple. I, I would I won't eat it like I, mm. I'm not interested in the texture of apple right. but if you squeeze it to a juice like apple cider juice is like one of my favorite drinks of all time so like I do like 
orange juice like crazy. To mm-hmm. eat an orange, I won't eat an orange. <laughs> so like until this day, I have a couple of problems with that. Mm-hmm. With veggies, I solve it all. The, like it's one of my favorite foods of all time. Mm-hmm. But fruits, mm, not okay. much. So fruits, otherwise in liquid form, smoothie form, you'll have. Or in cooking form, like cooking just form, not okay. in a raw form. As long as like you play with that a little bit, yeah. good. And as a chef, I define I decided a couple of years ago when I just like started getting more professional in it, mm-hmm. that even though I'm not necessarily like a big fan of those things, I do not want to avoid them in my cooking. So mm-hmm. I, I I'm proud to say that I know how to like a pair certain fruits to dishes that I make. Mm-hmm. Um Because I understand that it makes sense in the dish, not necessarily that I would eat it. For example, I can make a beautiful salad, like green salad, and put their apples. I won't take the bite with the apples, but I understand that for you, mm-hmm. as an apple lover, it will make sense for you in the salad. Ah, so, nice. um, so, no, I don't have a better palate than anybody else, back to your question, mm-hmm. uh, because of my background, but because I pursue a professional uh, direction in food, I understand more, mm-hmm. I would say. You have to get pretty creative to include things that you might not otherwise like into your dishes. First of all, my wife, when we just started dating, she heard that I don't eat fruits, and that was like a deal breaker for her in like pursuing <laughs> our relationship. Okay. Um, so I had to become more open to it. As I said, I'm not avoiding it in like the cup, last couple of years, so I'm like, I see how people like really like other chefs or food personas are including it in their dishes. What would be your best fruit dish recipe? So I definitely incorporate a lot of berries okay. in my baked goods. Um, so, I mean, when I'm thinking about it as a fruit, not in a raw form and like then cooking it, like there are so many dishes that you can create from that. For me, the easier one the easiest one is just like to create a gem from any kind of fruit and incorporate it into beautiful rolls, a babka, a, any kind of dessert. So like sweets are a very easy way to include fruits in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, salads. I really love the combination between meat and fruits. Mm-hmm. A sweet and savory sourish. feel that is like very interesting could you give me a specific dish that would incorporate meat and fruit yeah I really love a uh, grapes and lamb mm. they nice. work really nice together so like nothing fancy like basically like just taking um, grapes on the not vine on the stem yes on like uh, like a bouquet yeah. how do you call it a, yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, uh, I understand. A bundle? A, you know? a bundle, yeah. Yeah, bundle? We can look it up, yes. Okay. Okay. Grapes on, grapes on the stem. Okay, grapes on... So you take a grapes on the stem, and you're basically just like placing in a very... in a cast iron heavy pot. Put the roast meat on it, like after you close it a little bit from all sides with salt and pepper, and a lot of olive oil, and let it just like slow cook. The grapes will melt into a beautiful gem, mm. and... There is something in the balance that it's great with the meat. It's just like really pleasant. I really love it. Do you like to season your meat a lot or pretty simple salt, pepper? So I would say that I'm 
in the grilling side, I'm very Israeli in my approach of like olive oil, salt, pepper. That's it. Okay. No Texas barbecue seasoning. I, I didn't grow up with that. Right. So I, I like it. It's delicious for me to taste, but mm-hmm. like I won't necessarily feel comfortable doing it myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel very related to you. I'm not vegetarian, but most of my diet is vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I eat meat only when I go out. Uh, I'm a big fan of fish and seafood, but like when it's come to meat, I never buy meat mm. home. Occasionally, when you go out to dinner, yeah. Very rarely. Yeah. I like if I see a like a menu that is like very much like abundant in vegetables and seafood and fish, I will definitely go in this direction. Meat is always feels for me heavy. Mm-hmm. To taste, of course, but like, you know, going to like a steakhouse and order like a steak for myself, I was never interested in those things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, ordering like a whole steak for the whole table and slicing it nicely and getting like one slice, mm-hmm. fantastic, I love the taste. Mm-hmm. But like, there is something very aggressive, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in like eating mm-hmm. a piece of meat, right, you know, like... Right. I never even thought about it out loud, but like it's like I feel that it's like it, there is something in the inner in the energy mm. is not like it's it's incorrect I see I see I get it I don't know something in like the spirituality is not mm-hmm. working there. Which will be like funny like for anyone that listened to us that like I'm saying that I do it. fish and seafood like very often mm-hmm. and you know compared to meat is like it's another type of animal but I don't know mm-hmm. I have a different relationship with that I also have been cooking and baking since I was three years old living in Japan when I was younger one of my early childhood memories is watching the food network I have old pictures of me climbing up on kitchen cabinets just so I can make my own homemade pancakes like that's how serious I was about cooking very early childhood experience and exposure to cooking. Was that the same story for you as a child? Were you into cooking at a very young age? Uh, absolutely not. Okay. Um, I had zero interest in food until my early 20s, mm. I would say. Wow. So my both parents, I love them a lot. My mom really hate to cook. Really? Yes. Wow. So and you can feel it on their food. Mm. And there is, like, not much care there. Like, she's a very loved mom's mm-hmm. mom, so, like, you know, nothing to say about that. But when it comes to food, with food you really feel. If someone hates it, mm-hmm. it tastes like it. If someone loves it, it tastes like it. So, like, mm-hmm. my mom was, like, never, like... Um, like, she really appreciates food. Like, going to restaurants, she, know to, she is a good taster. And... Living in Italy for a couple of years, she really developed her like understanding of like good food, what is it? Uh, my dad, because she is not really like to to cook, he had to step in and to mm-hmm. learn how to do it, and he's actually a great cook. He has like a narrow selection of dishes that he is making. He's mm-hmm. making them well, but like never going out of the box. Um, so i I grew up with no like much interest. From home to get into cooking or stuff like that, yes, we did go to restaurants, we did travel the world, we did try new stuff in restaurants, but like there was nothing that it was like you know 
we are going to a restaurant to have like a, this special cuisine, it's like the same as going to a museum. Mm. You know what? It's, yeah, it's yeah. an activity. Right. But it's not for like looking at it from the lenses of like um, we are interested in food. Today we are going deep to this cuisine. No, it was like, okay, we are going to eat in this restaurant. Then we are going to this museum. Then we are going to this concert. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, no interest until my early 20s. Yes. Where did you grow up? Where were you born and raised? So as you can hear from my aggressive accent, I'm uh, Israeli. Um, I lived in Israel most of my life. I was born in Israel, then I moved to Italy. My parents um, studied medicine there. How old were you when you moved to Italy? A week oh. old. So I don't want to mislead people with the, to say like <laughs> I was born in Italy yeah, because yeah. I was born in Israel. But like, yeah, I grew up in Italy until I was four. Okay. Then we moved back to Israel, lived there most of my life. In my 20s, I moved to Italy. Again, back to Italy. Yeah. Back to Italy for a couple of years, and now in the States, the last three years. Yeah. Nice. Do you remember a lot of Italy when you were younger, for the three, four years you were there, or two, four years? Not much, um, from like active memories that I like remember visually things or like you know. But um, my parents, even though both of their parents are still alive we had like kind of adopting grand Italian grandparents in Italy mm-hmm. and we kept the relationship with them for many years. So like, and we came back to visit. So like my memories were like kept being alive as I grew up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I don't remember when I was three years old where I lived, but I visit that place that I lived and those memories later on in my life. So I kind of lived them again. I see. Yeah. Um, so yeah so when you moved back to Italy you had a good relationship with your Italian grandparents uh, they actually passed away before I moved to like the second time okay. um, but uh, it's okay um, but yeah I, I mean in terms of the language the first language I've ever spoken was uh, Italian mm-hmm. actually before Hebrew wow. um, but when I moved back to Israel um I just like the kids in the kindergarten left on my in, on my language, so I asked my parents to like start talking with me only Hebrew, and they did. I forgot the language, so later on I needed to like go learn it again, learn it everything from the beginning. So, yeah. Growing up, what were your hobbies? What were your interests at a young age? So I really liked um, uh, playing handball. Handball. Um, which is like very rare to hear, but my city, uh, Israel is known for handball. Mm-hmm. Um, we are playing on the European uh, league. And my city in particular in Israel is very known for the handball. Okay. So it was a big thing to like play handball when I was a child. So that was a thing. Um, I playing a guitar until this day for many, many years. Mm-hmm. So like music. Um, what else? Um, scouts hanging out with friends. Yeah, I would mm. say like that's pretty much it. And I really like, I really liked studying, mm. like school. School, you were really into school. Yeah, I was really. I, I I was a pretty good student, and I grew up in a very strong, um, how would say it, student studying environment. 
the city I grew up is like very much valuing studying and this, like the particular neighborhood that I grew up in uh, has one of the most known universities in the world for science so like all yeah. the professor kids used, uh, like yeah. studied with me so like uh, yeah studying was like very much like our all my friends group interest uh, so you know it's it's funny now to say it like I'm thinking about it as I'm, I'm talking about it mm-hmm. uh, but Studying was one of my hobbies. I really enjoyed studying, you know. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. most people, like, you know, for example, let's say you walk, you will never consider your walk as one of your hobbies, yeah? Right, yeah. But first of all, for me, it is a hobby, my walk, because I'm cooking and baking all mm-hmm. the time. So, like, for me, it, it is a hobby. It's not necessarily my profession. When people ask me, like, what are your hobbies? One of them is cooking. Yes, it's happened to be also my profession. Yeah. But I really enjoy doing it. Yeah. So when I went to school, like going to school for me was fun. Like going to like studying math and science was like for me fascinating. And I enjoyed it the same as I would enjoy going to play handball. Mm-hmm. Right. Work for me as well, very much passions of mine. I love what I do. It just happens to be part of my job or jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like I when someone it. is asking you, what are your hobbies? Some of the things that you are, like, working for or getting paid for are your hobbies. Yeah, hobbies, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, yeah, a, very it's a great yeah, place. To, yes, 100%. it's a great place to be. 100%. Yeah. Growing up, very much interested in math and science. Yes. Very numbers, analytical driven. Yeah. Do you approach cooking and baking with that same methodology? Um, yes and no. I mean... People assume that baking is very scientific and very accurate and everything is measured, mm-hmm. which is true when you have no idea what you're doing. Mm. So I always tell people, like, you know, they're telling me, like, oh, I, I'm not sure that I can bake because it's, like, so accurate. I'm like, it's not. Like, in a way of, like, yes, if you're clueless to baking, follow a recipe and follow it religiously so, like, you really understand what you do. Mm-hmm. But once you master the process or, like, a couple of recipes that you really like, you really learn to, like, know how to play with that, mm-hmm. you know? Now I'm not following a recipe. Like, you can see me, like, going... I'm, I'm, I'm kind of following a recipe, mm-hmm. like, kind of guidelines, but, like, then I will see, like, oh, the dough is a little bit dry. I need to add a little bit of water. It's a, li- a little bit more than what is written in the recipe, but I understand the texture that it should be. Mm-hmm. Today is a warmer day, so I need to reduce the amount of yeast because otherwise it will pour faster. So, like... It is science, but not mm. at the same time. Um, I'm very analytic person in my mindset mm. anyway. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily with cooking or baking, but with my work as a content creator and like working with media. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm very much like organized, know what I'm doing, know what like tasks I need to do, very organized. So like, yes. My my mind is working on the frequency of math, numbers, orders. Mm, yes, I get it. Yeah, what's not shown on screen here is your uh, whiteboard filled with tasks and to dos, check boxes, very organized. I'm I'm trying. I I find it like very hard for me to like keep it on like a calendar and like mm-hmm. you know on like apps and stuff. I really like to write. Mm-hmm. Like you also saw before, like my. Passwords is right. written in a notebook. I really like to write things, mm-hmm. and I just believe in the process of like, like every day I'm 
sorry for the English, but like I'm pooping all my missions mm-hmm. on, on the board. Right, right. checklisting like checking them all and then the day after I like as you can see in front of us I have nothing like no missions for tomorrow yet but tomorrow morning I'm waking up and I'm like okay this 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 and that and I don't know I love to like walk like that it's also very satisfying to check missions right. yeah yeah I see your task getting done exactly right that expression cooking is an art baking is a science would you agree disagree I think that okay it's it's a little bit philosophical answer but like I think that art is art when someone defines it as art mm. subjective anything no anything is art right and anything is not out at the same time mm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I've seen bakers that baking breads no not baking breads let's go even more specific I know a guy that is a master of challah bread okay that's the only thing you do challah bread there are other people that baking challah he's calling himself a challah artist I accept it in a way of like his approach to it is artistic he thinks of himself as art and the challah is art so about food you know you have theoretically chipotle is chipotle art arguable um And like is a Michelin uh, star chef is, is an artist if he consider himself an artist yes yeah, you know it's hard to like I find it very hard to define what is art mm-hmm. uh, you know my, my wife has is a friend that lives in California and she is a, an artist and she's creating basically paintings that has like two colors and like patterns mm. like you know it, she can take like a rectangle um, board and she's like doing a line in the middle mm-hmm. one is blue one is yellow that's the art is it an art yes do I can, can I do it yes <laughs> but does it make it not art right when I will make the same thing it's not art because I'm not coming from the mindset of being mm-hmm. an artist mm-hmm. she is seeing the art in what she does. Okay, it's very like, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard for me even to explain it, but like, you know, um, the definition for art for me is very much fluid. Mm. All right, so let, let me ask you this. For you, do you consider what you do an art? Not, ne- I don't consider the product that I'm doing an art. I consider the process an art. Do you consider yourself an artist? I would consider myself a researcher before. Mm. I love looking at my, at my job as like I'm doing a research about food. I love learning about cultures, about languages, about backgrounds, history of like food, how it's evolved, what influenced it. So I like to look at it from the research point. Mm-hmm. Um, And when it's come to the art, I feel that the craft is the art. Like being a baker is kind of being an artist. You're playing with the form and creating something from nothing. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of like depth in it. At the same time, the bread that I made last week, I don't look at it as a 
piece of art. Yeah. I'm looking on the craft as an art. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the process. The process is an art form in itself. Yes. I like it. Nice. What about... We're well, gonna, we're really deep we're answers. Jump, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel so like deep. a philosopher right today. Here, right here. When you were younger, how often were you traveling and getting exposed to different cultures that led you to eventually falling in love with cooking in your 20s? I have to look, I have to say, looking back, I traveled a lot with my parents, mostly to Europe. We had a, like one visit to the States, but I found myself being more interested and more accepting of cultures and like learning process mm-hmm. when I tra- started traveling by myself. I see. Uh, traveling with your parents you are led by someone else. Yes, they know my interest and they know me and like they're creating the best trip that they can. But you know, like I didn't decide on the itinerary. I didn't decide where we go. And also back then, it's not that a while ago, but like back then there was no internet. I didn't know where I'm going. You know, like I could, Uh. I didn't have the access to say like, oh my God, I have to go to this restaurant. Oh my God, we have to visit this side. I was like, Okay, we are going to, like, Spain. I know that they speak Spanish, you know, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just absorb. So it was, like, more passive mm-hmm. observation. When I, like, um, started traveling by myself, it was, like, more active. I know what I want to see. I know what I want to learn. I know where I want to, like, stuck for three, three days to, like, really get into it. Or, like, just, like, okay, check, I've been here, bye. Mm-hmm. Um, so I traveled... The, I think that the sense of traveling um, developed with my parents, but the actual traveling by myself. When you're traveling on your own, how do you approach exploring new cultures or new places? Are you organized? Do you know exactly where you want to go, what you want to see and what you want to do? Or do you let the experience kind of just happen? So I would say that I'm like really go with the flow, generally speaking. But when it comes to food, which like I developed the interest in it in my l- later in life, and now my I try to keep most of my traveling around food, so I will do a very much deep research of what is the food that I'm going to taste in these places and what influences it, the history behind it, and what are like the must go places in like to eat those this mm-hmm. kind of food. But besides that, generally, like, like where to travel that is not related to food, like historical sites, or like where to stay, or mm-hmm. like, you know, important place to visit. No, I'm going with the flow. I really believe in, like, authentic traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that I'm doing is literally asking locals where to go. So oh, one nice. place leads to another. I really like any unique experience i'm welcoming any unique experiences like for example if i can talk with a grandmother in portugal and ask her like where should i go to stay tonight and she's like you can stay in my place just being nice to me i'm like cool i, I want to stay in your place yeah, yeah. Um, so nice. i'm like i'm taking advantage of no yeah. <laughs> unique uh, genuine opportunities right. um, yeah so, like, I would say I'm very organized in my interest about, f- like, where, like, what to cover in terms of food, but never, like, strict itinerary. I honestly, like, look on also so many people that are just, like, traveling their trips a couple of months in advance, a year yeah. in advance, and I'm like, 
think that is very stupid from one side and the other hand I'm like very much jealous right it's nice to go on a trip that you know like this what we do today this what we do tomorrow and like you know it's like so organized in a plan but at the same time you're blocking yourself from like anything that the world has to offer you do you have a good or favorite travel story yeah I have honestly like two stories one of them was like in India I traveled to India by myself um for like a couple of months and every place that I traveled to like when I moved from one city one village to another I found the group of people that I want to like just be together mm-hmm. and just be, you know like for this area and then I'm leaving them and continue with another like on my my own path I kind of didn't want to limit myself to like traveling in as you said before was like in their organized direction of how they want to lead the trip I'm yeah, like yeah. okay I'm interested in that I'm going there if I love your vibe I'm just continuing so like I travel with my guitar and I arrive oh. I arrived to like one of the coolest villages in my opinion in India Dharamsala it's known for like doing a lot of workshops and like fun activities not just for tourists but like it's a very artistic area mm-hmm. And I was there trying to find friends for a couple of days and um, like nothing really flourished or like anything particular. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just go with my guitar one day and like someone that is playing or interested in music will just give me a comment and we'll just like start the conversation from there and we'll see how it goes. And I was like walking with my guitar all day. No one really gave me any <laughs> any, any comment yeah. on like the guitar, so like no conversation started. And I was like sitting in a restaurant, pretty sad, mm-hmm. <laughs> alone for uh, yeah. for like the last five days, like no really meeting someone interesting or having conversation. Sitting, putting the guitar on the side, and then a group of very cool people <laughs> just passed in front of the restaurant, and one of them like she was a really interesting woman. She was like looking at me, and she was like. Are you playing music? And I was like, yes. She was like, we're going on a, on a jam session right now, all of us. Do you want to come and play? And I was like, nice. eh, yeah. <laughs> so I went there and she was like singing one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard in my life. I like still remember it. She was Israeli, speaking Hebrew, but she was singing in Hindu. Oh, wow was so special I can't even explain I felt like I'm in another dimension and like I was sitting there with like a couple of people they just met it's also related to food and there was like a a, a dessert in the north part of India that's called hello to the queen something with bananas and I hate food as we <laughs> said before right. oh, like at least in the raw form and like it's banana it's kind of a banana split Okay. Uh, okay. In a way, and like uh, everyone is asking, like, what do you want? What do you want? And I was actually not familiar with the dessert, and they were like, do you want hello to the queen? I was like, hello to the queen. Yeah, hello, yeah. hello, it to me. And like they're bringing the the dessert, and I see the banana, and I'm sitting next to a guy, and I'm like, oh my god, I I want gonna eat it. Mm. It's a it has banana in it. I, and he was like, sounds sexual, but he was like, I will eat your banana, and you can eat all the rest. And I was like, eat my banana. And he ate the banana and I ate all the rest. And then we were like just sitting and he was like, you know what, I'm traveling by myself. I actually don't know anybody. And I was like, me too. And he was like, do you want to like stay together and like just traveling together for the next couple of days? I was like, sure. And we are like still friends until this day. 
Nice. <laughs> and it's happened like, I don't know, like eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, just from this coincidence. And besides that, uh, just like talking generally about un- like unique type of traveling. I traveled about five years ago to Georgia, the country. And I had a blast. I traveled with a friend of mine f- that I worked in a kitchen in Israel. And we just like went, like we traveled there, rent a, 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 a jeep, mm-hmm. and just travel along the country with no plans, nothing booked, nothing checked yeah. on the internet. Like re- literally driving, getting to a town where a little hungry. The way also of hospitality in Georgia is kind of like people welcoming you to their home. Mm-hmm. So I was just like stopping next to someone. I'm like knocking on the door and I'm like not even able to communicate with him in his language. But... That's something that I really like about traveling. You really don't need to speak any language in the world to travel. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, I traveled to Georgia for a couple of weeks, not speaking a word in Georgian or Russian or whatever. And, but being able to communicate and have such amazing relationship mm-hmm. with people without even speaking. And it was amazing. I traveled there for, like, about, I don't know, a month, a month and a half, and had amazing experiences, Fantastic. like really feeling the locals, you know. Mm-hmm. So funny enough, I met my wife in the university that we that I studied at in Italy. I studied the culinary gastronomy, which is like basically uh, food science. Okay. Science oriented, of course. Yes, of course. And uh, so my wife got her master there and I got my undergrad and we met on the street. Actually, not in the university. We met randomly there, and we had like kind of a click in our eyes. Mm. And yeah, we started dating. And honestly, since then, we never split up. And we are spending, we just discovered it yesterday, we are spending about 24 hours together a day. Like every single moment together. We are business partners. We are working together. We are raising a family together. So like, it's really... Really special relationship, yes. Awesome. That sounds like it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into your cooking experience, you briefly mentioned when you were traveling, you carried around a guitar. Yes. How did you get into playing the guitar? I always liked music, and I always was interested in like playing music. Nothing like a... I guess that I had the same approach with food when I started. I didn't plan to become a musician. But I had, like, the passion to start it. And mm-hmm. I started playing a guitar when I was, like, 11. And I just never stopped. I nice. liked it. Um, I, yeah, it's a great hobby. Um, mm. It's bringing people together. I have lots of beautiful memories in my life. And, like, different points that the guitar, like, really made it for me. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, self-taught? You taught yourself how to play the guitar? No, actually, I went to, like, a teacher to learn the basic. So, like, uh, I studied with a teacher once, twice a week for about two years. Mm. And since then, I just took it by, like, on my own. Uh, When I was with him, it's, like, more about, like, solos of guitars and, like, really mastering, like, you know, like, fingerings and stuff like that. And I was, like, after two years, I was, like, okay, I got, like, the general idea how to play. Yeah, yeah. Now I will just like enjoy enjoy it and yeah that's what I've been doing since then. Can I, you can you sing as well? I do. I do. Okay. I, yes, I can. Okay. Uh, not today, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, but. Right but now. Uh,
What would you say your genre, what realm do you fit in, if any? I wouldn't know how to like really define it, but I really love like kind of um, 80s... I don't know, I love, I love the Dire Straits, I love Police, I love Queen. Um, so those are like, the, this is the music that I like to play. Your musical inspiration. Yes, um, in terms of like international wise, English, uh, but when it's come to like Hebrew, there is like a, I don't know even how to like, Israeli pop. Pop, ah, okay. Kind of, like not trendy, more like... Um, Upbeat? Yeah, okay. something like that. Nice. Yeah, indie. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I do like like listening to other genres, but mm-hmm. like playing-wise, like, yeah, that's my inspiration. Dire Straits have mm-hmm. been always like... Uh, my wife and I were just listening to like a couple of uh, songs by the Dire Straits and like Mark Knopfler, like the way that he's like playing the guitar is like so... It gives me something in like emotions and feelings in my body that I just cannot explain. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not necessarily that music does it for me that much, but like when he plays the guitar, I'm just like, I feel feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jumping back into your culinary experience. Yes. You found your interest in cooking food in your 20s. How did you end up? At your university, did you know where you wanted to go, what you wanted to study? How did you get into cooking professionally? Um, so, I was a very picky eater, as we spoke. And when I served in the army, um, I gained a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing crazy, but I'm like, I was always, like, I'm, all my life I was like more or less the same fit. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I, I could really see that I'm gaining like a couple of unnecessary kilos mm-hmm. and my sister uh, my younger sister she looked at me and she was like you need to get into a diet and I was like what should I eat and she gave me kind of like strict rules like avoid sugar eat more vegetables eat more this and even though I didn't really like it I was like okay I need to give it a try and it's okay started to open up my palate I finished my military service I traveled around the world United States India um Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Turkey. Wow. So like really... Everywhere. Yes, really open up my palate and like learn more about food, but still from like the point of like being cu- curious and like nothing like to a profession. Mm-hmm. And I came back to Israel. I was assigned to engineering school in Tel Aviv University. As we talked before, I love numbers. So for me, it was like, okay, cool. what I can do the most with my passion to numbers let's yeah. go engineering so i moved to tel aviv my parents live like about like 30 minutes away oh, from nice. tel aviv but i was like you know let's live in the city and start to feel the life there mm-hmm. and i moved there started to work as a waiter in a coffee shop and still no really interest in food but the chef there in this very average uh, coffee shop was like he needed the sh- uh, cooks, obviously, mm-hmm. and he looked at me and was like, I see the passion in your eyes for food. You have to get into the kitchen. And I was like, no one ever told me that. Let me think about it. And I talked with my uncle that is like my guru and like do what you love and like, you know, follow your heart. 
and he told me like, look, you have like a couple of months before you start your university. Go to work in the best place you can. So I was like, all right. So I went to like the best restaurant in my opinion was back then in Israel. Mm-hmm. And I asked the chef, I was like, listen, I don't know how to hold a knife. I have zero experience in the kitchen. I don't know how to make even an omelet. But uh, that, that's a bit exaggeration. But like, <laughs> I don't know to make like anything complicated. Right. Um, I would love to come and teach me and I will absorb everything you can to uh, give to me and like let's let's try mm-hmm. and he was like you know what let's give it a try and like see how it goes and i went there and i like my nerdy like uh, analytic mentality was like i came with a notebook and i wrote everything down how much water you need to boil for a pasta of like how much salt like you know like they're putting it obviously they're like experienced cooks they're putting the salt like measure by hand right and I was like, wait a second, you didn't measure the salt. So I like literally writing down everything, breaking it to like the science behind. Right. Yeah. And they, was, they were like laughing and enjoying my passion, my motivation for yeah. it. And I just like learned as I go very seriously. I treated like a school. Yeah, right. Every shift for me, they, were, they came to work. I came to school. I went to learn how to do it. You were studying. Yes, I was studying. Yeah. And after three months, I really, like, developed an extreme passion to it. Um, it was... I worked for a restaurant group very well known in Israel, in, like, since I left them to, like, other things that I'm doing in life. They opened up 50 restaurants around the world. Wow. Very successful restaurant group. But back then, they had, like, let's say three levels of restaurants. Mm-hmm. Casual kind of fast food. Um, everything in pita and they had like a medium high level restaurant and very high end like the most expensive restaurant in the country mm-hmm. back then so i worked for the second level and then one day i walked there and the owner of the company walked in and she looked at me and she was like give me a call tomorrow i want to talk with you and i was like all right and i was like getting on the phone with her and she was like listen i see that you have a very good management skills I'm looking for a kitchen manager for the high-end restaurant. And I was like three months in the kitchen. Like, I really don't know much. But she was like, I see, like, it's not necessarily about your cooking skill. Your managing skill will be, like, very fit, will fit there very good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Of course. Let's give it a try. Treat it like it was, like, the opportunity of my life. Mm -hmm. And I went there getting a bit, a, a bit romantic about it. So, like, the restaurant is open only twice a week. Okay. Until this day. And they have another restaurant here in the city, oh, and nice. like they're opening a couple of this high-end concept around the world. But like ne- back then, it was only in Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. twice a week, only evening, two seats, n- uh, six and nine. That's it. The whole concept is that the kitchen is in the front, so like there is a beautiful bar that the whole the spotlights are on the kitchen is open concept. People can sit on the bar, but like the waiters, uh, like the stage is the kitchen. Right. And so thinking about it, it's a beautiful concept because they, every Wednesday, they open a restaurant from scratch. There is nothing in the fridge, no preparations, nothing ordered. Like the restaurant is empty on Wednesday, performing on Wednesday night, performing on Thursday night. But on Thursday night, they clean up and on Friday morning, it's look like the restaurant is empty. So it's amazing to see. Like the whole operation is crazy. So... They invited me to come and join the kitchen, uh, like the cooks, to cook that day. 
and I cook with them the whole day, kind of like learn how they like they change the menu obviously daily, weekly. So like I've been cooking all day with them, understanding the philosophy, like how they, so like they get whatever is seasonal, whatever is beautiful that day, mm-hmm. and they're just looking at the ingredients, I'm like, what we can do with that, let's go with this dish, and they're inventing dishes and menus all the time, it was very creative and amazing to see, and then like the beginning of the shift was about to start, about uh, 6pm, and the chef came to me and he was like, I don't want you to walk to the end of the shift, I want you to sit in front of us on the bar, and just observe how we serve, how is like the atmosphere here, the music, the wine, the clients, like how the how the flow is going. And I was like, wow, okay. And I was like, twenty three, I think. Mm-hmm. And th- that's I mentioned it before. It was the most re- expensive restaurant in the country back then. And Israel is one of the most rest- expensive like, countries eat, in the world. Right. It's like a very expensive restaurant, right, right. at least for a 23 years old. Like now yeah. looking backwards, I'm like, okay, I've been in more expensive restaurants. But like back then I was like, oh, I cannot afford it to myself. It I was This was the top restaurant you've stepped foot in at 23. Yes. 100%. It was, a, so I was sitting there getting f- like older menu, like just the food was about like $800. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me alone. And like wines, like the most expensive wines like you can find in the country. I was like eating there that night for like, I don't know, $1,500 alone. (laughs) Because they all, they obviously wanted me to taste everything. And like every special wine that they opened for a client, they gave me to taste. So like, I was like, oh my God. Talk about a culinary experience. Exactly. And the music in the background, like the, so it works that the first seat is classical music. And like, you know, everything is very like romantic and like at nine, there is a DJ coming. Like the DJ is actually the owner of the company and like lifting the whole place up like crazy people dancing on the tables. You're pouring alcohol into people's mouth directly, you know, like burning things. It's a crazy show. So like I was sitting there at six o'clock and I'm like seeing all these artistic moves and like I hear the classical music and I remember that I close my eyes and I was like, I definitely, I remember that one, I want all my life to be around food. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, but I have to be around food. And I left the restaurant eventually that day and I went home and I was like eating myself. It was like two months before the start of the university, like the engineering university and my both parents are PhD, like doctors. Mm-hmm. And I'm the oldest so like it's really give them like a slap in the face to say like I don't want to pursue engineering studies and I want to like go with food it's like look bizarre to them but I was like that's what I want to do and I really love my parents and listen to their advice but like on this time I just like contact them like the university I cancel the studies and the morning after I was like sitting with my parents and telling them like that's what I want to do in my life I want to work with food and my my mom laughed at me like really like she thought it's a joke she was like are you serious and I was like yes and she was like how you gonna make money and I was like I don't fucking know but I I wanna do that Yeah. and she's like yeah but that's not a job that's like okay it's a student job but like what you gonna do when you will go up I was like I will work with food I don't know what I'm gonna do and my dad looked at me in the eyes and he was like you know what I see the passion go with the flow do it but just do whatever you do the best And I was like, thank you. And he was like, and mom will get it eventually. Mm -hmm. 
later on a year after I surprised both of them I invited them to the restaurant that I was like managing back then and you know like I um, took care of them the whole evening the same nice. treatment that I got there I wanted them to experience the same thing and yeah. my mom was like oh my god my son is like so successful and I was like you see <laughs> yeah. you see you just you. needed to believe uh, um, you, yeah. yeah but like oh yeah so I worked for that restaurant group for about like two three years then I moved to another chef that I'm admiring like he is my model in food I think for the rest of my life I really mm-hmm. love this guy mm-hmm. um And after working for like a couple of years in restaurants, I felt like I owe it to my parents, not to like to them necessarily, but to the way that they raised me, that I need to pursue like an academic background, like to get an academic background in order mm-hmm. to succeed in my life. So I was like, you know what? I will go to university, but I wanted to go in something that is interest me. Mm-hmm. And I found this a uh, gastronomy university in Italy that run by a very beautiful organization called Slow Food. And I just moved there and started my studies. Um, still to this point, no relationship with banking, mm-hmm. like just cooking. Yeah. And I self-taught, um, I taught myself to bake during my studies. Um, and honestly, I never stopped since then. I was like, just got addicted to it, mm. like crazy. And I started to explore it. We talked before that like about baking, people think that it's very much science. Mm-hmm. So I treated it like a science back then, understanding the whole process. I started only with sourdough, so only like learning the basic, the skill of like understanding temperature, humidity, combinations of ingredients and stuff like that. And then I opened up myself to like other stuff. Like, you know, I was making a challah, so I was like, okay. Instead of making sourdough, the sourdough depends on the temperature much, I will use an instant yeast. Instant yeast is much easier to control. It's like this. So I understood how to come to it. Um, And yeah, since then, yeah, I started eventually sharing my recipes on my social media. I didn't look at it as like, any any way that I want to become a, a content creator mm-hmm. an influencer whatever you call it a f- media persona right. no I was treating it I, I did care about how people react to it mm-hmm. I enjoyed to see like the account growing and people liking and commenting it was or like people seeing me that I don't know them and like hey I saw this it was cool mm-hmm. talking about like 3,000 followers yeah like yeah. nothing crazy um, but I was looking at it more as like a diary I see yeah it's like it's, it's documenting a, yeah I was like you know I made this bread I put there the process so next time I want to do something I will be like okay let's see the bread what did I put there okay I remember it was too dry okay and changing so it was for me documenting but when I started doing like videos kind of tutorials explaining from A to Z how to start from kneading to like the, bake, the, the final product surprisingly and gratefully It took off from the very beginning. Nice. And I took it with two hands. And very serious, very committed, very uh, consistent in what I'm doing. And I just, for like a couple of months, every morning, waking up, going to the supermarket, getting all the ingredients I need, coming back, shooting the, the video. It has to be good because it's baking. So like, it's not that I'm making a salad, it's shit, okay, I'm making a new salad. If I fuck up this bread... There is no content today, not mm-hmm. good. So I was like, after finish shooting, editing, uploading, answering to everyone, 
deciding what I'm shooting the day after, doing a full research on YouTube, buying, uh, uh, reading on it in books, talking with bakers, and like that's the process. I was yeah. like learning, 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 learning. Um, it, it was amazing. Like I, wow. I really felt like, I really felt like every day I'm nourishing my knowledge about uh, mm-hmm. baking like, yeah. so much. It was wow. amazing. And yeah, since then, um, we develop it, my wife and I, to like more um, sustainable business. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a phenomenal story. That's a story. Wow. When you were at school and you got into baking, did you have a similar experience that you knew you wanted to pursue baking? Did you have a set moment? I don't have like a set moment that I was thinking about it, but I remember two things. First of all, I remember that I was like in my school and the school is giving you like, it's not a culinary school. They are not teaching you to cook anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're learning about like background and about like, you know, like about food from ver- a lot of angles, science, agriculture, sustainability, um, chemistry, like all these outlets that are all, all working to, towards food. And I remember that I was like in my, my studies, second year, I have like this year and another one after. And I'm like, where is it all goes? Like I need to choose like what direction I would go. And I was like, I do feel like when I started baking and I loved it, I was like, I do feel that I can dedicate my culinary journey to, to, baking. to baking. I felt like I feel comfortable there because with food, I felt like always... I'm an underdog. I'm less experienced than everyone else. You know, every chef that I would talk with, as you said before, has his, like, uh, stories about, like, his childhood, like, rolling pasta with his grandmother. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I remember watching Food Networks. Or, of course, I heard of this chef. Mm -hmm. Or I ate in this restaurant. And I was, like, always, like, so fucking... Sorry, fuck, fucking. I was, like, so, like... ignorant to those things so yeah, I was like yeah, I yeah. cannot really stand out with you guys in the same team and be like oh man I know what I'm talking about no and with baking I felt like more or less 99.9% of the population don't know anything about it right. so I feel very comfortable to step in and to say like I'm not the biggest expert but yeah. I know more than wo- most of you so let me just tell you what I think and you will respect it you know for you do you think it was like leveling the playing field Exactly. And I also, so that was one thing that I really felt like, you know, I really need to choose something. And uh, I felt kind of, uh, so when I walked in this restaurant, when I just started, the the one that I told you that I walked three months before the owner of the restaurant, (laughs) so like they used to make their own sourdough bread, Mm -hmm. one type of sourdough bread all day. And they sliced and serve it to people like right, right when they come in. Amazing bread really exceptional, but basic country loaf. And the flow was that they're making the bread all day and then they're shaping it and putting it in baskets to pour for the next day to mm. bake in the morning in the, the beginning of the night shift. And the baker of the night shift, which is still a good friend of mine, American, live in California right now, but we both live in Israel then, back then. She, uh, she's an amazing woman. She's actually a singer that they uh, oh, cool. like just like play with food for fun yeah. so she was always late for the night shift <laughs> or always late uh-huh. and the baker of the morning shift didn't want to stay like over time he already came at six in the morning right. so they trained me to shape all the bread 
for every shift that I work. Mm-hmm. So every shift, I was shaping about like 200 breads. I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to mix it. I don't know what ingredients are going inside, yeah. but I know perfectly how to shape it yeah. to a beautiful bowl. Yeah. So my, when I started baking and sourdough, my breads look always phenomenal. Because shaping, that is like how it's look. Inside you cut, you, you used to cut my bread, there was like, it, it didn't it look that, that, no. Yeah. Absolutely not the best, but outside, and if you don't understand in bread, uh, yeah. you look at it and you're like, oh man, you're an amazing uh, baker. Yeah. And there was something that fascinated me, that like, my breads look so good, but it's actually not so good. Mm. And to be consistent and to create like the perfect loaf, it was like very fascinating for me. So that's what also led for it. But I remember that like, you know, I, I looked at my loaves and I was like, okay, from outside people think that I understand what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I just need to fix the crumb. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, I don't know. Wow. It was I a funny journey yeah. with myself and like yeah. the way that to communicate it with the world, you know? Yeah. I felt that it was a lot of like, fake it until you make it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I faked it with a really deep connection to what I'm doing. Right. So like, yes, theoretically, I was speaking like I know what I'm doing, but I didn't really know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I gave it a, a, a lot of respect in the learning process right. and like understanding this. Because you weren't going to fake it for long. Eventually, you were going to know exactly what you were doing. Yeah, but like, you know, as we said, like, as, as I mentioned, when I started to create content, and sharing videos as my kind of a diary for me, mm-hmm. like documenting my, my, my journey, I didn't look at it as like, yo guys, this is how I made it, you should make it, that's how it works. I was like, this is my approach to it, you, yeah. you can learn from my, what I did. And I started looking at people looking at me as like, oh, you're the bread expert. And I was like, I will own it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Great. That's, and that's your art. Exactly. Baking is your art. Exactly. Right. And now I feel very comfortable, like, after doing a couple of years and trying, like, so many baked goods, I'm, like, I also, like, and I'm not, not doing it in any arrogancy, like, not saying it in er- any arrogancy, but, like, my range of baked goods that I'm baking mm-hmm. is one of the most broad that I've seen bakers doing out there. Mm-hmm. I know bakers that are million times better than me, but they are doing these kinds of breads. Like, there is a very, like, there is a good friend of mine in Israel who is a very talented baker. As two bakeries working phenomenally, like, the quality is to the top. And I see a lot of times that I'm posting, like, other breads that I'm doing that he's looking at, he's like, wow, I never made it. And I'm like, really? That's what you're doing for a living? Like, yeah. well, I just woke up today and I was like, oh, I want to taste it. Uh, I will make it. And now I made it. Yeah. And like, wow. I don't know. Do you have a signature dish or what is your favorite dish to bake to bake to bake i would say that a pita bread mm. is my favorite to make i feel that it is very easy going living in america i definitely see that it is very hard to find a freshly mm. baked pita mm-hmm. there are two kinds of pitas in the world the arabic version and I would call it the Israeli one. The Arabic is the thin one that is made usually for uh, dips and spreads. Okay. It's not to fill up on the bread. That's mm-hmm. why it's thin. Right. 
Uh, people look at it as like sometimes like that's a shitty pita because it's thin. It's not a shitty pita. The purpose for this pita is for dips and not to fill you up with bread, it's to fill you up with the dips. Right. Uh, more is like a vehicle for the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Israeli pita is like more Yemenite side uh, because we have Jewish Yemenite influence in Israel. Um, and it's a thick pocket uh, that you can fill literally with a soup inside the right. pita and it will hold it. And it's amazing. So, like, finding this style of pitas in America is very hard. So, I found, like, me making it from scratch is the only way to consume it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very easy going. I see a lot of joy from people that not just tasting my pita, but also making the recipe. It's no, no background needed. It's right. amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's delicious. It's one of the best breads you can ever have. Right. Yes. Nice. Do you have a favorite signature dish to cook? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing fancy, I, but I genuinely like my dish that I call Arabic ceviche, which is Arabic salad, Israeli salad, chopped salad, as everyone wants to fight with me about right. the name, like, I don't care, chopped salad, cucumbers, tomatoes, red onions, herbs, I season it with a sumac and olive oil and lemon juice, and I dice a... A local seasonal fish, mm. or adding it to the salad, toasting it, let it sit for a couple of minutes, so like the lemon, the acidity mm. is kind of cooking it, mm. and it's beautiful, light dish, perfect with labane, perfect in a pita, perfect for morning snack, for lunch break, for evening side dish, it's just amazing, very light as we talked right. before. Right. Anytime, any day. Bright. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. We briefly touched on content creation. What is your mindset or how do you approach content creation and storytelling now? So I believe that content is changing constantly. Um, Both from the sides of like how the algorithms, apps are operating it, but also from the interest from the crowd, from the people. Mm -hmm. And I'm changing all the time. Um, what I noticed that is currently very important uh, in creating content, and I see also that that's the future of the content goes, um, is showing as much personality as you can. Uh, something that I was very surprised when I started baking, uh, sharing videos on social media is that I was thinking genuinely that people are coming for my bread recipes. Genuinely, I believe that like if you watch it and you enjoyed it, it's because you wanted to make bread and you wanted to know how to make, so this is how you make. And I learned that no, people are coming for positivity, for good vibes, for a smile, for like uh, enthusiasm, for like a passion to food. And I learned to give it more focus. And... Yeah, I can tell you that like a lot of people are making the recipes and like it's fun to see. But like when I'm talking with most people that watching my content, the first impression is like, I love to see how happy you are and how passionate you are to making food. And it's like generally today, that's what makes me more happy than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, getting messages from my community that my content makes them happy and brought them like purpose mm-hmm. and like 
give them a light in a dark day, it's amazing. They want to see your personality shine. Yes. Sure. And like, I don't know how to, but eventually I do want to like develop myself not being only a baker or chef, mm-hmm. more as like someone that like, in my own natural way, I don't know how to develop it, but like motivate people to be more happy, to appreciate what they have, mm-hmm. um, to be more grateful, to enjoy the simple stuff. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. One day at a time. One day at a time. It's a long run. It's yeah. not a sprint. Right. So like, that's how I like to look on, on, on all of this. Mm-hmm. We talked before that I look on, on content and like what I'm doing at the moment is like a serious business. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, so I don't look on like, you know, it's very easy in content to be caught up on like a daily results. Yeah. Cause it's a constant, it's a not constant. It's like an instant business. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not looking at like the numbers today. I'm looking and it's like, okay, what is the main goal? What is the future? How, right. Where I want to see myself in a couple of years, you know? But mm-hmm. Also, you know, being a dad, a young dad, I'm looking on all things much more seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now I have like serious responsibility of feeding someone and like taking care of, her f- of the future. So, yeah, I, I have to respect it also in terms of like my work ethics. Last question for you here. What's next for you? So my short answer will be my wife and I were working on a cookbook. Amazing. Yes, we are very proud of it, uh, and we are extremely committed and passionate to the process. So that's one thing that was always a goal of ours to write a cookbook separately and together. Like for me, not since I was born, but like since I started working on food, it was always like, oh my god, like one day I will have a book. It's like a big dream, and actually now it's coming to life. It's amazing. Uh, my wife is like you. She was watching Food Network since she was born. So like for her, it was since she was a baby, she wanted to write a cookbook. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's a dream come true. Um, long answer. Um, we talked about it. I really genuinely enjoying what we are doing so much mm-hmm. that I don't feel like I'm working. But like I do see the goals of like my wife and I were thinking about buying an hotel or like developing an Airbnb kind of resorts of like starting to host people mm-hmm. and like to integrate, as we said, like wellness and food and like experience and hospitality, kind of like bring it more together. Mm-hmm. I would say that my main goal overall is to detach myself from social media as much as I can and start like working on real life project. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's like, working on a cookbook, for example, is like being considered as a writer, as an author, as like a authority, more than like just like, oh, he's making cool videos. That's why when you present me in the beginning of the episode, I don't like to put myself as a content creator first. Mm. It's a byproduct of what I'm doing. Exactly. Uh, It's my medium to communicate all the other projects that I'm working on, but like, I don't like... My biggest fears is my daughter will go to school and someone will ask her what my, your, your parents are doing and she will be like, my dad is a content creator. No, no, no. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't define myself as a content creator. Not, not that I have anything negative about that profession, yeah. but it's not me. Right. It's, it's a, not me. It's a byproduct of what you're doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm creating a video about baking, I'm first seeing like, wow, I baked this. There is a recipe. You can make it. 
Now it's a video to entertain you. Right. It's the last thing in the list. Good luck with everything. That Thank you. Sounds amazing. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for hosting me. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories. Stay right. for the stories. That's it. That's a wrap.